Hello, I'm Courtney Garrett, and this is the 101 Christianity Podcast. For so long, I made discipleship really complicated. I thought it was a formula that needed to look a certain way, and so I made it more of a task in my life instead of a lifestyle. Over the course of my life in ministry, I found that many women shared this feeling. I found that we all get hung up with fears and obstacles that end up paralyzing us and keep us from moving out to share the truth with those we love. Part of the mission of 101 Christianity is to give you tools as well as confidence to take the gospel out into your friend groups, your neighborhoods, your family members, and your coworkers. The following message was given as part of a discipleship workshop I was a part of at my home church, Grace Bible Church in Houston, Texas in the spring of 2019. I pray it will encourage you as you take the next brave step to share truth with others. Good morning. So excited to see you all this morning. It's beautiful. And y'all could be walking at Memorial Park, but you're here. And so thank you for coming. Um, I'm excited to dig in more to what we um, got started with last night. I went to sleep last night um, thinking about so many things that Rennell said, and then I just couldn't stop thinking about sweet Caroline, right there, sweet Caroline, who, if you weren't with us last night, shared a little bit about her testimony of coming to faith and her kind of brokenness while she was at Rice and how God used four different people in four different ways to bring her to a saving knowledge of Jesus. And then, I mean, and then the other thing that I kind of went to bed thinking about is, who the heck's Bethany? We still don't know, do we? We don't know. (laughs) Bethany was somebody that the Lord just put in her life that sounded like she was a mother of four kids and worked down at the medical center and just would show up and just pour into her. And I want to talk about intentionality, but you all know that Bethany didn't just like show up, right? Like she had some intentionality to be in Caroline's life. And so I wanna talk about this life of intention that we have to approach discipleship with, that mindset. Um, I laugh because, um, so when I was in high school, I grew up in Abilene and went to Cooper High School. And um, just to like, big high school and we had young life and I was a believer. I came to Christ at a young age and I was just kind of doing high school, like really kind of caring if I made cheerleader and if that cute boy liked me. You know, I was a believer, but not mature. And uh, this girl just kind of kept showing up, this girl who went to one of the ACU, one of the colleges. And, you know, and every time I turned around, there was Gail. Gail was just there. And I would be, I just remember being like in the lunchroom and I'm like, huh, Gail's here, how weird, you know, and then I'd go to the Friday night football, and I was in Cougar's Pride, the pep, you know, the, we were doing all these things, and then I'd turn around, there's Gail, what's Gail doing here, how weird, y'all, it was years before I realized, like, oh, Gail was there to kind of get to know us, to share Christ with us, I mean, what, I mean, it was hilarious once I realized, it wasn't just like, She just thought she might just drop by. She was there because of this intentionality, right? Anyway, I was a little slow. Really self-consumed in high school is what I was. 
Um, okay, so today what we want to talk about is just kind of reframing discipleship a little bit. Talk about some of the obstacles I see in my own life and I think a lot of us share in kind of taking next steps, some of our fears, and then discuss some tools um, with you. Just try to get really, really practical. The deal is, is that discipleship takes many forms over the course of our Christian lives. Sometimes it is you receiving encouragement from somebody older uh, and more mature in their faith and you, kind of bringing you along. Sometimes it's you running alongside a friend and speaking truth into her life as she's speaking truth into your life. And other times it's just you pouring into somebody who knows very little. It is all of those things. Sometimes we wanna make discipleship one thing when it's all of these things. Um, and so, and that's why it's a lifestyle, as Renell talked about. And so if you are a disciple, a learner, and a follower of Christ, he's going to call you into all kinds of relationships for his purposes over your lifetime, in my lifetime. So it's your life as a follower and an investor in others, um, and that is what makes up discipleship. So it's both. So I want you to know there's not going to be a guilt trip today, because sometimes you can feel like... Rennell has said over and over again, but we really need you to get this, that this is not, you're not doing enough of this, so get your, you know, in gear. That is not it. It's not it. We're not, that's not what we're about. We're just trying to make sure that we have a mindset that the Lord, I think, wants us to have, I know he wants us to have, as we move into relationships with more intentionality and making it more of an identity instead of a task. So some of you are for sure already doing this, and we just wanna be like affirming in that. Some of you all um, kinda need a little more information to kinda make sure that you kinda have in mind how to pursue it, and some of you just need tools. So we're all over the place, and so I just want you to know we're all in process. I'm totally still in process, and my discipleship looks real messy, and. And I hate using that word because it's kind of overused right now. Like, I'm just so, I'm such a mess. But really, the truth is, I am a little bit, or a lot, depending on the day. And our, my relationships aren't all neat and tucked away. It's not this formula of, I meet with a girl once a week on Wednesdays at, from 1.30 to 2.30, and we go through a study. I don't know where we got that, but sometimes that's what we think discipleship's supposed to look like. And it looks a bunch of different ways. Um, okay, so I'm going to talk, first of all, about these obstacles I think that we see, and I'm going to give you five of them. The first one is just a misunderstanding of what discipleship really is, and I kind of have already talked just a little bit about that, about how discipleship is both your continued growing and also loving others by sharing Christ. Okay, so it's your continued growing, your sanctification process as a disciple, as a learner, as well as your investment in other people. So let's be reminded again that the point, the purpose of us worshiping together, of community groups, of Christian fellowship, yes, it is to grow us into more of Christ-likeness, but it's so that we can move out. It is not just so that we can just be full of information and podcasts and more podcasts, and sermons, and books, and a blog post, and all these things that we're just taking in all the time. We're living in a time when like the information is like there, right? It's, it's out there, it's within just a click away. But the point is not for us just to hold all of that in and just become a bunch of smarter sinners. It's so that we can go out. If that was what God had intended for us just to kind of keep to ourselves, we'd all, we'd go buy a plot of land in Chapel Hill, 
and we'd live in a commune, and we'd get Chip and Joe to come and decorate it. There'd be an organic garden in the middle we would feed our families from, and all of our kids would marry each other. And that kind of sounds fun, but the reality is, Real life with where we are is so much more fun because it's dependent living. It's, it's that neighbor that's a little challenging, and it's that coworker that gets on your nerves, and it's that friend that you've just been pouring into or you're trying to from college, and she's just as lost as she's ever been. We are so needy for the Lord when we're in, up against those relationships, right? It's not all just jolly and Christian fellowship walking alongside each other and growing in our faith and, all, and agreeing with each other about everything. It's like living up against the world where we're really needy for the Lord. So, discipleship, and Renell touched on this, but this is, this is a definition in my mind of how I want us to think this morning about discipleship. Discipleship is an intentional decision to see relationships as an opportunity to share truth with others. Discipleship is an intentional decision to see relationships as an opportunity to share truth with others. And so I want to talk this morning a little bit about that, again, that intention. I'm going to get on a soapbox for just a second, but I can't help myself. I'm warning you already, okay? Um, your friendships, the ones that you're in right now, your good friends um, that, that don't know the Lord, um, I want, it, I want it just you to be aware, I want us all to be aware of kind of what we're up against in the culture right now. Women today are fed a steady diet of self-help Christianity, and it is, looks real good, and it sounds real good, and so it is concerning, this is what's concerning to me, is that the idea that some of the more influential voices in the form of women writers who say that they're Christians, are promoting so many ideas of self-empowerment, entitlement, and going for your dreams no matter the cost. That, it is selling. It is selling. And so I want you to think about the fact that your friend that, that, that says she's a Christian may not, not yet know the gospel. She may have a stack of books on her bedside table that are filled with some counterfeit truth that's telling her some things that she feels like have some Jesus in it. But you, you, we, we cannot be afraid to speak truth into her life. I remember when I started at the church, work, I mean, this I don't even know, a long time ago, back in 04, um, Wes was like, don't be afraid to disciple your friends. And I was like, hmm, okay. I mean, I, you know, it just seems kind of, it seemed kind of strange at the time just with how I was thinking about discipleship because I always had kind of thought about an older woman pouring into me, me kind of, but you've got to be able to speak truth into your friend's life. We've got to learn how to do that. We do it winsomely, but we don't do it with any shame. If she is buying into what this worldly idea of what the self-help Christianity type of thing is, it's not going to save her. It's not going to, to bring her to a place of understanding who she is in Christ. But you can do that. You can speak truth into her life. So the problem with this message is it's twofold. We don't need to be encouraged to think more of ourselves. We just don't. We think about ourselves a lot. We'll get to that later. If you have some issues where you're feeling insecure, which we all do, that is fixed by finding your identity in Christ. We've got a great resource back there for you on identity that if you have questions about, talk to us about that. That is fixed 
by looking at more of who Christ is, not thinking more of us. The second thing is there's no mention in these books about how it is in denying ourselves that we find life, that the way up is the way down, of humility, of picking up your cross daily and following Christ. I don't see a deep call to humility in these messages. I just really see teaching that promotes narcissism. So you don't need to wash your face. You don't need to... You don't need to stop apologizing. You don't need to get your moxie. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about that. I'm just saying, if that resonates with you, there's a reason. Your friends need Jesus. And I just want to encourage you to be bold in that. Um, Okay, so before we got into 1 Samuel, um, West teaching 1 Samuel, we were in 2 Timothy. And some of the scripture that we went through, um, later on, I kind of went back and looked. And I just want to tell you all, just again, I know this is a little bit of a tangent, but we just need to be, this is all about culture, and I just want you to kind of have your eyes open to what is going on um, and that the scripture tells us. So I'm in 2 Timothy 3, you can listen or turn there, but listening is great. Um, But understand this, this is in uh, 2 Timothy 3, verse 1. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, are you encouraged yet? Heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. Okay, now listen to this. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. This is just a gentle call to see your friends as those who need Jesus and and to not be afraid to speak into their lives because There are a lot of women who are always learning and not coming to a knowledge of the truth, and you could be the voice of truth in their life. When you skip down to chapter 4, verse 3, it says, For a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded Endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. The itching ears, we all have itching ears. The gospel is the only thing that is going to give us what we need. The culture is going to be saying a totally different message. And so as you think about discipleship, I want you to also think about how you can speak truth into your friends' lives. One other thing, too, about the Great Commission is that we know the part about, therefore go, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey. Do not miss that. Teach to obey. Now that sounds like, I have all the answers. Come, listen to me. I will teach you the ways of... And that is not what it is. When you teach to obey, what you're saying is, hey, 
This is for us to, to live by, to abide by. And so don't be afraid of that, but, and don't overlook it. Because the go disciples, go make disciples is the thing we tend to focus on. But teach to obey. That means you come alongside your friend and be like, I am really struggling with this. Don't clean up your life around your friends. Talk about how you're struggling with your, your kids. Talk about how you, you blew it with your husband last night and you needed to ask for forgiveness. Talk to them about how your mom is on your nerves and you're trying to respect her and trying to get your mind around how you can love her well. Those types of things. Um, so just remember that part of the Great Commission is also to teach to obey. Okay, the second thing, we're going to move along here. Second thing, second obstacle I see is fear. I want to free you up as we talk about our fears. Our job is so much easier than we make it. Renell Bennett and I have been talking about how discipleship sometimes in our minds gets way more complicated than it needs to be. Our job is to share the truth. The results are up to God. When I finally understood that, it freed me up so much. Success and whatever that looks like is really up to the Lord. What is, what is God's purpose in this relationship? Our job is simply to share the truth. You are so off the hook. It's scary sometimes to present the truth, but that's all, that's all that you are called to do. You're not called to therefore go and convert every person that you know, and see them into spiritual maturity. I mean, that's overwhelming for anybody. It's just to share the truth with the person that the Lord has in front of you. And as again, we talk about making it complex. Women are so thirsty for truth, and you can show her who the living water is. Women are so hungry for the truth. And you can share with her that Jesus is the bread of life. They are lost and you can point her to the good shepherd. They are feeling like they don't, aren't loved and you can tell them about the, their good loving father. It's just sharing it with them and opening and God opens their eyes. We don't open anything. God does it. It's his work. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and you are able just to share that and how it's changed your life. You're a billboard for God's grace as we begin to talk about how God saved us. We didn't do anything to deserve it, and God, it's his gift. So don't fear that you are not equipped. You don't have to have all the answers. Um, It's perhaps we have misunderstood God's expectations of us. So let me boil it down and just get real practical. Someone you know needs what you know. If you're writing it down, you could say, someone I know needs what I know. Someone you know needs what you know. It may not be all everything that you've ever known, but what you know about the grace of God and how he has saved you and redeemed you and is walking with you and is sanctifying you. I just want you to sit with that for a little bit and think, who is it that needs what you know? It is true that everyone you know that doesn't know Christ needs Christ, but it's not true that God is calling you to serve everyone you know simultaneously with the gospel. That's overwhelming for anyone. But if you've walked with the Lord for any length of time and you understand the grace that has saved you, 
and that without Jesus there is no hope, you can give that away. Somehow, again, I've mentioned before, we've gotten mixed up that discipleship was this meeting at a fixed time, going through an intense Bible study together, and that's all one-sided, and that's just not at all what it is. Discipleship is often about just seeing who the Lord has put directly in front of you. Who is the low-hanging fruit in your life? Who is that person that you see every day in the cul-de-sac with your small with kids playing around with? Who is the girl that works right next to you or down the hall? Who do you see almost all the time? It's, it's really usually that person that's right in front of you that you interact with on a regular basis, the girl in your exercise class. Some of us plant the seeds, some sow the seeds, and some harvest the seeds. And you have no idea how God might use you in that, in, in that person's life. I think we saw that with Caroline. Somebody planted, somebody was intentional, somebody kept on watering. And you might be someone who just puts a little seed in. You don't know. You don't know what God has. I worked um, in my former life as a dental hygienist and um, worked in various offices. And dental offices are interesting places. I mean, it's a bunch of women, and we're together all day, you know, working. We eat lunch together usually because you're usually, you don't really usually get to leave for lunch. And I had so many different women that I interacted with. And one of them, my friend Lisa, she was at the very first office I ever worked with. And then we ended up working in another office together. But she was a mess when I met her. And I loved her so much because she, she was a fun mess. Um, and she just, you know, those people. And um, so she was not hard to love. She was just a mess. But I mean, there, and I would be working at the time I was in BSF. I'd be working on my BSF lesson at lunch. And she'd be telling me, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, what are you doing? Whatever. I didn't see any fruit in her life for all the years that I knew her. And a few years ago, I got an email from her telling me what God had done. And it was amazing because I didn't feel like I had done a thing, but just loved her where she was. And I didn't do anything special, but God had softened her heart over the years. And she was now in BSF and she was also, she was like, and I'm also doing this other Bible study. My husband says, maybe I should just, I'm, I'm studying so much. Maybe I should just go to seminary. I mean, sweet Lisa, who I didn't really trust that God was doing anything. I really didn't. And yet here she is. And so God just let me see a little glimpse of that. So even when you don't feel like much is happening, just sow those little seeds, water them when you can, speak to your, speak your, not speak your truth. We don't do that. <laughs> we speak the truth. We're not about that. Um, speak the truth to your friend. Um, turn, if you will, for a second to um, Acts, um, and I'm going to share something. This is a story, you have, I'm sure you have read it but, and, and, and seen it, but it is so encouraging. This is the story of um, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. If you want to know more about what a eunuch is, we'll talk later. It's complex. I don't know. We're not going to talk about it right now. But anyway, he was a servant. And so um, Acts 8, 
starting in verse 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join his char- this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah to the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come and sit with them. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down to the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Okay, just a couple of observations from this passage. One is that Philip was sensitive to the Lord's leading. He just says that, it says now in verse 26, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and, and go. And then Philip was obedient. He went, and he rose and went. He was immediately obedient to what God had called him to. Philip didn't know what God wanted him to do. He doesn't have any answers. He just went, depending on the Lord, to guide him. Then he asked a good question. He says in verse 30, do you understand what you're reading? Hmm. Do you you know what you're reading right there? And then he shares the gospel. What I love about this is, does any of this look awkward? Does this look awkward to you? Frankly, it looks like a layup, and like the easiest thing I've ever seen in my life about sharing the gospel. But I just want you to see that all these things can be true of us. God can call us into something, and if we're obedient, it may not be this easy. But what if, if Philip wasn't there, who, who was going to explain this to him? And I don't know very many that just go, oh, and there's some water. Let me just go ahead and seal the deal. That's amazing. But He was obedient to be available to whatever God had called him to, and he was ready to share the gospel. So there are, as you think about the kind of questions that some of your friends have, there are five basic questions that every human has, and every one of us has it, has them, and every, all of your friends have them. They are, am I loved? Why do I experience pain? What is my purpose? Why can't we get along? And is there any hope for me personally or for, you know, and in the world? Am I loved? Why do I experience pain? What is my purpose? Why can't we all get along? And is there any hope for, for me personally and for the world? All of those answers are found in Christ, every one of them. And so you need to to assume 
that your friends are asking these questions, whether or not they can articulate it or not. We all have these questions. And if we don't find them in Christ, we're going to be looking for answers elsewhere. And so when you, when you understand those questions, you can speak to the truth that you have found from Scripture that answers all of these. Statistics tell us that adults, when a, when a person comes to Christ as an adult, they need like 10 to 15 exposures to the truth before they come to a place of, of belief. Like seeds have been dropped along the way. And so you might be like number 10. You might be number two. You might be the time when they say, I am so ready to just live for Jesus. But just keep that in mind as you're sharing the truth. Okay, third, quickly, is time. That the fact that we feel like we don't have enough time to do it, that's an obstacle. Our, our, our busyness is, is a thing. But busyness has a way of isolating us. And what happens when we get isolated? We, get, we struggle and we suffer sometime in silence and we get really lonely. And so discipleship is a way to, to not have to deal with, or it's just, it's a solution. We might think we don't have enough time, but we, this is something that we need to make a priority for. And where are ways where you can already work this into your schedule? It's not, again, a task. It's an identity. And so the Lord's going to give you creative ways to, to, make this, to make this happen as you think of it more of a lifestyle. It gets in your DNA, and it becomes an overflow of your life. Along those lines, a sta- stage of life is the fourth thing. Stage of life is... We have so many different times in our life when life looks a little bit different than, than what we maybe thought it would. And if you, for instance, if you travel for work, if you have really small children, those things are really hard. If you're a full-time student and you don't have a lot of time, um, it just, if you think of it, discipleship as a task, you're just thinking, I am barely holding on. I, I don't know that I can do one more thing. But you don't have to do one more thing. You can give an invitation to somebody that you see on a regular basis and just say, I'm really feeling overwhelmed right now. Would you, after drop-off, you know, if I drop off my kid at preschool, after drop-off, would you want to sit and have a devotional real quick and, and just pray? You're already doing that. It's 10 extra minutes, but it's you investing in, in how and as you're going. As you're going, you're looking for ways to, to share Christ with others. Okay, our biggest obstacle, we've touched on it, um, is a condition that is so ingrained in us that it's sometimes hard to see. And I, I, I'm so convicted by this, and I'm so convinced of it. And if this is true of us, whether we're single, married, older, younger, whether you're, you work or you're a mom, whatever. And here it is. We all struggle with a deep self-focus. I know it sounds awful, doesn't it? <laughs> but it's true. And I want, let me, but let me finish. I want to suggest it's true, but there is hope because in finishing the sentence, we all struggle with a deep self-focus, save for the grace of God in Christ. If God has done a work in your life, and I trust that that is true of each of you, then we do not have to live in bondage to self-focus. God has provided a way out. 
Uh, I read a book recently, and it's on our book list for the summer, Free of Me, and cannot recommend it enough. Uh, it's by a woman named Sharon Hottie Miller, and she, the way she frames it is she uses words self-preoccupation. That sounds a little bit better, doesn't it, than self-focus. For whatever reason, I'm just preoccupied. I'm not focused, I'm just preoccupied. Um, but the manifestations, let me just talk for a second about the manifestations of self-preoccupation in its various forms. Insecurity, loneliness, jealousy, envy, comparison, a scarcity or scar- scarcity mentality, like there's just not enough to go around, you know, for me. Discontentment and overemphasis on our appearance, possessions, depression, disillusionment, restlessness. All of those things are manifestations of our self-focus. And I struggle with all of those at different times. So what can we do? What do we do about our self-focus? First of all, we need to realize that that is our default operation. We, we, our default is to, to worry and think about ourselves. But God gives us the remedy. So you know that the great commandment, the great commission and the great commandment go side by side. The great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. We could spend really all morning talking about how a Godward focus, we get our eyes off of self, right? We, we know that. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And, and the more we look at Jesus, the less we're going to see us. And we could talk about that, and, and, and maybe that's a talk for another time. I want to focus on how loving our neighbor as ourselves can help us with our self-focus issue. I, this is heart work to think about this. And, and again, she, she flushes it out a lot more, but in the book. So I do really recommend you get it. But heart work is hard work. It is. You've got to really be willing to look at kind of the yuck that we have going on. But as we obey these commands that God has given us, in the great commandment to love our neighbor as ourselves, the obedience is going to give us so much joy and all this other stuff is going to go away. The psalmist says, I run in the path of your commands because you have set my heart free. So that freedom comes from obeying. So it is is by obeying him in these commands that we unlock the key to joy into freedom, and to contentment. So how do we love others? Certainly, you know, what kind of comes to mind is serving, and there's so many service opportunities. And so, yes, get out of ourselves and go serve. I mean, how many times do we hear that? All the time. And that is, and that is something we need to be thinking about. Pour yourself into a ministry that needs you, um, because they all do. But guess what? The main way we specifically love others is discipleship. We should see all of those things, like all service opportunities, as discipleship because they're all rooted in relationship. When we see others in their need for Christ, we simultaneously obey God, and the Great Commission tells us 
to go make disciples, right? And in our obedience, it also heals something deep inside of us. Do you get that? That by obeying and moving into other people's lives, it heals those places that are broken in us and the sins that we wrestle against and all those things that I've talked about, all those manifestations. I wanna read just a quick excerpt. She says, God doesn't ask us to love others simply because it is the right thing to do. God asks us to love others because it glorifies him and it also heals something deep inside of us. In the same way that loving and praising God is a path to joy, there's a second way to joy, which is loving people. If you can get to that place of turning your pain into love, God will pull you out of yourself and heal you in a way that self-care cannot. Because isn't that how that the world talks about you know, self-care? I'm all for taking a bath. Put some essential oils in your diffuser. Drink some tea. But that's not going to heal the deepest place inside of us that's broken. When we're lonely, a hot bath doesn't always get it, does it? I mean, no. Our hearts are broken if we don't have the Lord. So we think about what discipleship might do for your friend who's lost, but have we thought about what discipleship could do for us? Another thing that she says here. The problem with self-focus is not simply what it does to our souls, but what it does to the world. When we are so distracted with ourselves and our own lives, we never get to the work of actually living out our faith. There is a whole world out there of brokenness and poverty and hunger and pain begging to hear the good news of Christ. But we will never reach them if we are too focused on, on building our best lives now. The kind of love, um, she says, what she's talking about, Jesus, and she says, and that kind of love will not spring forth from a people focused on themselves. When our focus is on our own needs, our own preferences, and our own comforts, we will not love people in the way that resembles anything like the love of Jesus. So while we have this tendency to be self-preoccupied, we have an answer, and that is in looking out and pouring into other people. And how awesome is God that, you know, obedience isn't something that he demands of us. He just calls us gently into it and just saying, let me show you a better way. And so by pouring into other people, she is getting the truth, and you are also able to have an overflow of your heart and what you already know, and it's getting us over ourselves. Um, somebody said that attributed this quote to St. Francis of Assisi, but I don't, I don't know that it's actually true. But have you all heard that? Preach the gospel, use words if necessary. Have you all heard that before? Well, guess what? Words are necessary, okay? I, get the, I, get, I understand what they're saying there about, you know, try to live it out, and we need to do that. But let's just share the words, we're going to talk in a second about how this can look as you kind of move into other people's lives. But I think sometimes we just feel like, well, I'm going to have um, a book club and I'm going to read something about Jesus and hopefully my Jesus vibes will kind of spill out. And then all of a sudden she'll be like, tell me more about what it means to have a savior. I mean, th that may happen. That may happen. But let's just use the words. Let's just say, I'm going to invite you to a Bible study. 
Let's just get bold, share the truth, and then see what happens. I'm not, I'm not belittling a time for a book club, but let's not do that in lieu of sharing the gospel. Okay, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to take a little break. Father, I thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your son to die on the cross so that we can live forever with you. And Lord, we are so thankful that you have something for us today, right now, that you are working in us in all of our brokenness, in all of our self-preoccupation. Um, you, take, you take us and you choose to use us, and you choose to grow us. And I pray, Lord, we are so not knowing what to do, and we're awkward, and, but Lord, you're with us. You are with us, and you've given us your truth. Help us, Lord, as we move out into the world to see the women around us that need you so desperately. And I pray, Lord, that we would um, be bold for you, that we would go scared, and we wouldn't be worried um, but because you're with us and that we would leave all the results in your hands. We thank you, Lord, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I ended the message by talking about tools to help you make disciples. Those tools are the 101 Christianity Studies, exploring the basics of the Christian faith and discovering the character of God. Both of these studies serve as a great first step for a new Christian or someone searching, but they're also designed to affirm foundational truths for any believer. Both of these studies are available on Amazon. If you are ready to take the next steps by leading a group or another person through those materials, please go to 101christianity.com for equipping and encouragement to help you take those next steps. Lastly, I love sharing this message of making disciples with women in churches. If this is something your church would be interested in, either by having me come live or even virtually, please contact me through the 101 Christianity website, or just send me a message via Instagram at Courtney underscore Garrett underscore. Let's continue to press on as we seek to know the truth and share the truth.